Hello and welcome to the Hume podcast, where we sit down with people from our community and discover what makes Oldham Hume Grammar School the special place that it is. Alongside our teaching staff, students, alumni and parents, we discuss the topics that really matter to us and delve deep into the heart of our school. I'm Matthew Grant, Modern Languages teacher and co-host of the podcast. Today, we are mixing things up a bit, and my co-host, Claire Brownlee, our Director of External Relations, will be wearing two hats. She'll be talking about how she and colleagues work with our former students and keep them in touch with school. Also in the hot seat is Lisa Harwood. Lisa was Deputy Head Girl at Hume and left us in 1987. She has kept in contact with school in recent years. Her journey from schoolgirl to running her own fundraising consultancy has been an interesting one. She has worked in the charity sector for over 30 years, including as Director of Lifesaving and Fundraising for the RNLI. She's here today to talk about her memories of school, how she thinks school helped prepare her for such an illustrious career, and how she values the enduring connection she has with Hume. Claire, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about our former students and why it's important to stay in contact with them. Well, um, what can I say? Um, our former students, they go on to do such a wonderful variety of things. And, and in the main, because they're uh, Hume former students, they're ambitious, they're motivated people um, who partly because of the grounding they received at school have gone on to achieve um, their career and, and life aspirations. The other wonderful thing I've found about our former students is that they're still really connected to their roots and no matter where they've ended up and they have ended up all, all over the world, not that they haven't flown the nest, so to speak. Some, some have, uh, you know, physically and metaphorically travelled a really long way from, from Oldham, including Lisa, who's, who's with us today. Um, she's not round the corner anymore, but I'm sure there's this enduring kind of pull back to school, either in person or, or virtually. And when our alumni come back, um, they're helping current students make positive choices about their careers and university options. Some of our alumni are donors, supporting disadvantaged students through our bursary scheme particularly and and many of our alumni they really enjoy meeting up and reuniting at one of our events in Manchester or London so like a real life Facebook group in action Um, uh, and we all gather uh, at a venue in in, uh, either locally in the northwest or in London and and we really enjoy meeting alumni there. For school we see a real value in alumni remaining connected uh, not just for what they can do for our current students but because we've got this immense pride in knowing how they're doing now Uh, and I know teaching staff are really keen to know what happened to the boys and girls they taught um, and uh, and knew over the course of their career at Hume and in my role it's a real privilege for me to watch teachers and former students meeting sometimes years after the student has left uh, and they're reminiscing and catching up and the rapport is really lovely to see um, the teaching staff are, are, are absolutely top-notch in terms of that. They really remember who their students were and, and are interested in them after they've, after they've gone. But we've only got contact details for maybe half of our alumni. Um, so if there's any out there listening now and you don't receive the alumni magazine or invitations to our events, then please do get in touch. We're still in the same building. Um, we're probably still on the same telephone number. Get in touch and we'd really love to hear from you and, and keep in, in contact with you. Yeah, having been to some of these reunion events, I can agree with with what Claire said. Um, even for me, who I've only been here seven years, which is not much compared to a lot of the teams teachers and it's been really nice to meet up with former students from the past so 
Moving to you, Lisa, from the perspective of a former student, can you tell us why you keep in touch with school? Because I'm nosy, really. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, it it genuinely is. It's lovely. And you've got to remember that when I left school, I remember um, when we were in the sixth form and we were about to do our A-levels. And, you know, this was before the internet. It was before emails. It was before computers. And I remember sitting in the um, in the sixth form common room, which at the time was room A, which I think is the staff room now. And we, we sat and said, right, look, we're going to have a reunion, right? We're going to do this 10 years after we leave. So, you know, it, it, it'll be 1997 and we'll all be 10 years older. And we're going to put something in the Times. We're going to put an ad in the Times. So on this date, just, just go and have a look at the Times. And that's how we used to have to do it back then. You know, it was really hard to keep in touch. And then a, a, a little while later, I remember um, Vicky Cooper, that was at the time, sending me uh, a link to Facebook and saying, look, you've got you've to see this. This is amazing. We can all keep in touch. And so now, of course, we can keep in touch. But I think I'm of the generation where if you did not stay in touch with the Alumni Association, you did not stay in touch with your with your colleagues, your friends, you know, that you had gone to school with, because that was the only way you could do it. Now, of course, there are lots of different ways to stay in touch. But I, I still do, because for the first 10 years of, of my, you know, my post-school life, um, I, I that was the way I did it. I kept in touch via the alumni. So it's kind of ingrained now in me. But I also like to go back to school. So I I was back not long ago. And it's really nice to stop by. It's really nice to drop in. It's really nice to see, um, uh, you know, the students treading the same path and and going on their journey in the way that we did. And I still get that that feeling in it of kind of bubbling up excitement that when I stand at the end of the drive and and I start walking past those cherry trees, you know, that I did the very first day I arrived at Hume as an eight-year-old and looked up and thought, oh, my goodness. It was so, you know, it was so intimidating, so overwhelming, but it became such an important part of my life. And like anything that is such an important part of your life in your formative years, I like to stay in touch. And I like to know that if there's anything I can do to repay what Hume did for me, then ask and I will. And I mean, I've had this conversation with Claire many times that, you know, if there's anything at all that I can do, because I feel like I do owe Hume, you know, I, I, I benefited hugely from going to Hume and I feel that I need to pay that back, you know, at various points in my life. And if I can, I'm happy to do that. That's a really interesting answer. I'm glad you feel uh, that you have to, well, you feel that you want to give something back. So you're on record as saying that Hume saved your life <laughs> and that it taught you how to face and overcome challenges. So can you tell us a little bit about your experiences at Hume that made such a difference to you? So when I was younger, I was a very, very shy child and I didn't have much confidence at all. So I wouldn't leave the house. I'm an only child, so I didn't have a lot of contact with other children, um, other kids. And on my first day at primary school, I think I cried for the whole day. And there was a headmaster there and both his daughters had gone to Hume. And to stop me from crying and to shut me up, he did two things. He gave me cake. (laughs) And that's another thing that has endured as a love of my life now <laughs> since I was since I was tiny but he also sat me down and said look if you stop crying and if you if you try hard and if you get into the the spirit of the school the primary school one day you might be lucky enough to go to the school that my daughters go to which is a fantastic school called Hume Grammar School and I was about three at the time I was I was very young and that stuck with me and it stuck with my parents as well and sure enough when I got to the age to I was old enough to 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 
go into the prep, into escort, my, my parents made a decision uh, based on a conversation with that, that headmaster that I should try and get to Hume. Now, this was kind of a big deal for my family because we're, we're northern Rochdale cotton mill stock, all right, and nobody had ever been to university in my family, nobody had ever taken any any GCSEs, any, so this was a big deal, uh, and even my grandma raised an eyebrow and said, are you, you know, are you sure about this, but for me, that moment when my parents decided that I might be good enough to take the entrance exam and go to escort, that was a sliding doors moment for me, it could have gone either way, my parents might not have made that decision, and they might have sent me somewhere else. And I'm sure that in, ac in academic terms, I would have done what I what I did. I, I was never going to be the brightest kid. Um, I was okay. I was always about average. I would have trundled along in academic terms. Hume was great for for you know for exam results and and all of that. But for me, that wasn't what I got from it. What I got from Hume was belief in myself. What I got from Hume was role models particularly for me, female role models, women who were strong, who were compassionate, Miss Winfield, for example, Mrs. James was another one, who I could look at and go, yeah, women can be successful, they can be strong, they can be opinionated, there's nothing wrong with that, they can be confident and they can achieve, and they can be influential. And it, it put me into this environment where my confidence and my levels of aspiration just grew. It was a launch pad for me. And if I hadn't gone to you, my my life would have turned out very differently, I think. So for me, I, I've often said to my parents, you know, thank you for that decision, because of all the decisions my parents made when I was too young to be making decisions for myself, that decision was the, was the one that changed my life. That decision was the difference between me having a life full of options and opportunities and those doors closing and me not having those opportunities and also having the confidence to go for those opportunities. Uh, and that confidence thing for me is what saved my life. That was the sliding doors moment. Hume nurtured my confidence. And you, you know, you, you can't put a price on that, I don't think. No, definitely not. I 100% agree with you on that one. You've mentioned Miss Winfield, who we had on the podcast just a few months ago. Now, we know that fantastic teachers are part of Hume's DNA, such as myself, for example. <laughs> Perhaps you'd share with us the importance of having supportive teachers who champion the individual and who go the extra mile in meeting both the educational and pastoral needs of the children. So I think there are two kinds of teachers. Uh, there are the teachers who are experts in their discipline and teach it really well. Um, and they're great teachers, they're good, and, and they're well worth uh, having, and they have an impact on people's lives. But then there's a, there's another type of teacher, and these are the teachers that I encountered I encountered at Hume. And I've already mentioned too, I mean, Miss Winfield and Mrs. James were the two that always stick in my mind. And they bring they bring their whole person to school. So what you're doing when, as a child when you're interacting with those teachers is you're not just interacting with someone who's trying to get you through an exam with the best possible grades. You're interacting with someone who is, is, is a role model, right? Who, who, who you can look up to and you, you can respect and admire and you can learn lessons from them about how to go through life, about how to approach success, how to approach failure, um, how to treat people. And Hume was full of those teachers. Uh, Claire, you, you'll remember, and I mean, I didn't, I wasn't in classes with some of those teachers, but I remember what, what my peers said about them, what my friends said about them. And they're people like, you know, Miss Rogerson, uh, Miss Stevenson, you know, th those teachers, um, left a lasting impression on 
those students. And when I was at school, and possibly even now, I think for girls, that is really important. It's really important to have those role models. It's really important to have that entire person who engages with you as an entire person, not just as a teacher to a student. And for me, Hume was absolutely full of teachers like that. And that that's what made the difference for me. Over to you, Claire, now. So you're also of a, let's say, similar vintage to uh, Lisa. So, Like a fine um, wine, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we like to think of, of Hume as a modern school with traditional values. These core values are much the same as they always were. How do you think these values impacted on your life and how you entered the world of work? Uh, do you know what, Matt? One of the memories I have of school, and this might seem like a really odd Um, example but one of the memories I have is crossing the road outside to go to the art department the swimming pool or the the sports hall so because schools on several different locations we often had to cross the road and it was and still is quite a busy road and back then there was no pedestrian crossing Uh, you kind of took your life into your own hands now older girls were actively trained to help younger girls cross the road I don't know if you remember this Lisa but we were we were trained to stand in the middle of of the road basically but you know we'd find an appropriately safe time to step out into the road we stand in the middle and we'd literally stop traffic to allow smaller girls to cross and, and it was only girls because the schools were separate back then and we didn't interact with the boys we'd probably let them get run over uh, given <laughs> half a chance um so the smaller girls would cross in front of us safely And then the other lesson we had was to put out a restraining arm should we see a girl start to step out into the road when we could see a car coming. And and that's two things that taught me about the values of the school. The the first was the responsibility to care for those around you and and play a full part in this school family. Uh, You're expected to look after it and it would look after you. And then secondly, it's something that Lisa mentioned earlier, this confidence um, to stand in the road and stop traffic. And I I never even questioned the idea that as a schoolgirl, I didn't have the right or the confidence to hold the traffic up because it was for the safety of human children. And it it does sound like frivolous, a frivolous example. I'm sure there's more profound values that I could talk about, but that really stuck out. And because Hume instilled this confidence and a sense of duty um i i really do believe it made me a a far more empathetic and effective colleague and parent and i'll always be grateful to hume for that because these things are are kind of a wraparound to the education which actually make a difference not only to you but the people that you interact with within life Claire, I've got a really nice example of when that that came full circle for me. When I was eight and I arrived for my first day at Escort, I didn't know anybody at all. And there were quite a lot of girls there who did know each other. They'd been to Werneth Prep or whatever and they knew and they were all in their uniforms and I didn't have a uniform. Um, they, you know, they, oh, they, they, I'd seen them at the entrance exam and I met them and I thought, I'm not going to fit in here. It's going to be really difficult. And I don't know if you remember, but they, they attached an older girl from Escort to the young ones when we started on our first day so I got this um, lovely um, uh, um, lower three was it yeah lower three um, uh, student who just took me by the arm and she said it's your first day but it's okay I'm here and I'm going to show you around and she was amazing and we became you know friends and if I had a problem I'd go and ask her what to do about it and it was a really great relationship through school. 20 years later I started a new job in an organisation 
And I arrived um, on, on my first day to the head office and it was a bit intimidating. And I walked in and I heard this voice go, it's your first day, but don't worry, I'm here and I'll show you around. <laughs> Guess who it was? It was exactly the same wow. person who had shown me around at, at all those years ago when I was eight years old. So um, she'd obviously remembered her training uh, and I was incredibly grateful to see my uh, lower three mentor, albeit 20 years later. <laughs> what a brilliant story. And how small is the world? I mean, it's absolutely minute. <laughs> so, Lisa, a, a couple of podcasts ago, we interviewed our, our lead in the school show, um, Mrs. Travis, who creates the show. Now, I've heard that you starred in the school show when you were a student here. So how important do you think extracurricular activities are to students? And do you think those experiences help them navigate real life more successfully after they've left? Massively. For me, the extracurricular activities were, I, I don't even know if I should say this. I, I, if I could get expelled, I may well. But I, I think the extracurricular activities for me were more important than the academic activities. So, um, yeah, I did. I was Cinderella in the, it wasn't the school show back then, it was pantomime, wasn't it, I think, that we did. Uh, and loved every minute of it. And actually, as a result of that, I went on to win a, a playwriting competition, had a play performed at the Oldham Coliseum oh, wow. by their professional theatre company so um, and then went on to do drama as part of my um, my degree and I would not have done any of that had I not kind of got a taste for it at Hume and I said to someone the other day they said what what has been the most you know for your degree we were talking about whether degrees are actually any use at all when you start to, to you know work your way through your career and I said well I think for me drama was probably the most useful thing I did because it taught me and now my job a lot of my job is, is standing in front of 100,000 people giving really you know giving presentations doing workshops and that confidence of standing in front of people and projecting and being able to articulate is really important and I learned that in an extracurricular activity uh, the observer makes debating uh, competitions that I used to do the the drama the plays the shows that we used to do so uh, I, for me it's really important it's opened more doors my first placement at the BBC was as a result of collaring one of the judges at the observer mace uh, debating competition who was a producer at BBC in Manchester and persuading him to give me a job so you know you those extracurricular activities are often where those opportunities come the grounding is the academic preparation um, and the academic qualifications but that's I think only half the story and if you don't do the extracurricular a you're missing out on a load of fun but b you're missing out on opportunities as well and Hume's great at giving you that extracurricular option now I just want to reassure you Lisa uh uh, I was the one that told Matt about your starring role, but I've not shared the photograph. As we discussed, <laughs> he's not seen it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about the photographs. Yeah, yeah, it's a fairy one, wasn't it? Now. It's a fairy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. I, I mean, I 100% agree with what you've said about extracurricular, and we still offer loads to this day. And it's really rewarding, not just for the pupils, but for the teachers to see pupils grow in confidence. So now let's talk about real life for you, Lisa. Can you share with us what you've done after school? So I, I travelled a lot after school. I went, first of all, to university in Northern Ireland and, and worked at the BBC there in Belfast. And it was in the middle of the Troubles. It was in the 80s. Um, and so that was a really good grounding in what I thought I wanted to do, which was um, journalism um, uh, reporting. I left uni and then I went to America and just by pure accident ended up falling into fundraising, charity fundraising. And it was something that I, I really enjoyed. It, it, 
it spoke to, I suppose, my values. And I had a bit of a light bulb moment when I moved from what could have been quite, you know, a lucrative career in broadcasting into uh, what definitely was not a lucrative career in the charity sector and in fundraising. But it taught me about life's currencies. And it taught me that, um, you know, what's important to me is, okay, you've got to pay the mortgage, right? You've got to earn money. But it taught me that there are other currencies in life that you trade in. And, and it's not all about the money. And paying back, and I think this came from Hume as well, because my, you know, my first ever fundraising experience was those, do you remember those fundraising, every Friday afternoon, you, you'd you have a collection in your form room. And the first fundraising pitch I ever did was at Hume when I stood in front of the, uh, in assembly and persuaded people to give the money that term to uh, the premature baby unit uh, in Manchester. And so um, I'd always been a fundraiser, I just didn't know it was a career. And, and when I found out it was a career and you could have a career in giving back, you could have a, a career in making a dent in a in a problem in the world somewhere, uh, then it, it became the career for me. And, and that's where I stayed. Uh, then I came back to the UK, started with the American Cancer Society, March of Dimes Birth Defects Foundation in America, came back here, worked for Save the Children. Um, and then finally, uh, the RNLI, where I was director of life saving. Uh, looked after the lifeboat service around the UK and Ireland and the first woman to do that as well in a, the 200 year history of the RNLI uh, and now run my own consultancy so very much in, in charity very much in uh, giving back in the philanthropic sector um, and I, I think the roots of that go go way back uh, to Hume and I've enjoyed every minute but, but what Hume taught me again is uh, it, there are many currencies in life understand which ones are important to you and when you pick a career make sure it's it's multi-currency it's not all about the money yeah i i, uh, I agree with that definitely um and just just following on from what you've said last year i um shaved my head in an assembly for charity and uh, we um <laughs> raised over two thousand pounds for that for a cause that was very close to my heart and it just shows how generous the hume family still is to this day so going back to your career, um, so you've obviously had a very successful career. What would you say constitutes success then? Well, I've, I've talked about the, the different um, currencies and the different values. So for me, the first thing about success is understanding what it is for you, because it's different for everyone, you know, and you might see someone driving a Ferrari down the road, that might be success for them, but it might not be success for you. So, you know, for me, um, success is, um, it, obviously, it's, it's financial security. But, but that sometimes means you earn what you need, not what you could, um, and, and for me, that's always been a bit of a, a, a bit of a mantra. Um, the, the second thing for me, in terms of success, has been feeling like you're making a difference. I said it earlier, feeling like you're making a dent in a problem somewhere. You're solving a problem for someone. So, you know, working with Save the Children, um, working with the RNLI, it's it's always been much more about can you have an impact on people's lives. You know, you, can, you might not change the world, but collectively with the people around you in the organization you're working for you might be able to you might be able to save some lives you might be able to make a difference and and now I'm um, you know I'm a non-executive director for the um, NHS here in, in Dorset and and so again you can see that kind of thread of making a difference running through that career so for me uh, success is definitely making a dent in some serious problems in the world and making sure that on top of that I can you know I, I can create an environment for myself and my family that is 
secure. And, and I think the other thing for me is always learn. Um, you know, get yourself into a position where you don't stagnate, where you're always learning, you're always finding something new. Inevitably, that means you're always, you, you're failing as well on occasion. And I think if you're if you don't fail once in a while, you're not you're not pushing the boundaries enough. You know, if you don't if you don't take some chances and fail and keep learning, uh, so pushing boundaries, failing once in a while as well, trying something new, carry on learning. That's really important as well to me. And Claire, would you uh, agree with Lisa's definition of success? There, do you know what? I, I, as as Lisa was answering, I thought to myself, you know, it's like we've coordinated our answers. <laughs> I, I absolutely wholeheartedly agree, and I don't know how much of that is because of the influence of of our shared schooling. Um, certainly when myself and other Hume friends get together, our husbands tend to comment that we do have a, a generality um, and, and they say things like, oh, you could spot a Hume girl anywhere. And, and I, I don't know whether that's just because we've been friends for a lot of years or whether there is something about this shared experience that we've had. And, and success for me, just to build on what Lisa has said, it's really simple for me, it's about being happy and kind of comfortable in one's own skin, whilst at the same time valuing others and not benefiting from another person's lack of good fortune or, or detriment. And I'm really not motivated um, by a huge salary or a fancy car or a big house. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong, I like nice things. I don't want to live in a tent on the side of a hill. But um, real success for me is is about being happy and with how life is but also uh with stretching towards challenges i i don't like the idea of being content um that for me doesn't feel like success i like this idea of always stretching and, and as lisa said learning um and it's it's been the same for my children as well as, as a parent i uh i just wanted them to come home from school happy they didn't need to get straight A's. Um, of course, it was helpful if they did well in their exams. And happily, they're both off at university now. But the fact that they came home from school smiling uh, with a good group of friends and they were well-rounded was so much more important. So I'm a bit of a simple character in, in that respect. Um, I mean, of course, if anybody wants to give me a salary increase, they please feel free. But uh, that's not the most important that most important thing at all. Being, being happy and stretching yourself for me is, is, is what success is all about. I wholeheartedly agree with both of you there. I think the Hume family atmosphere nurtures that um, idea of, of having success that's not necessarily just academia. So, Claire, how can our alumni continue to connect with school and pay forward that success in support of future generations of students? Well, I, I guess it's it's doing all of the things that I described before, the, thi you know, the things that alumni are already doing, but more alumni doing them. So, Really quickly, alumni can be volunteers and come help our students and they can become donors or they can become donors. We love it if they do both, of course, but we appreciate that not everybody can can do that. And, and our role, my team's role, is to work out how best to help alumni who want to stay connected and who want to do those things, be able to do them uh, easily and how we can leverage those connections to help the school and its current students thrive and grow because we're all about all about growth and moving forward. And just in really simple terms, we've got a Facebook page, we've got a LinkedIn group and and we want alumni to connect with us in those in those forums. We know that the alumni are already there and we want them to come find us and then connect with us and and that way they can very easily get updates from us, see what's happening in school. 
because we want them to be proud of school, the school that we've become since they've left. And we have changed uh, significantly. Uh, you know, we're a, we're a merged school now. Boys and girls are all together. And uh, people of Lisa and my vintage don't. It, that was not the case at the time. We were very, very separate. But the school we've grown into, it's lovely. Um, and we want our former students to be proud of us just as we're as we're proud of them so I guess more of the same and you know reach out and make that connection um and and come along to an event uh just catch up with us really finally just to finish off um Lisa if you could share one or two pieces of advice back with your younger self as maybe a year seven girl what would it be Oh, don't worry about the maths. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't stress so much about maths. You'll 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 just about scrape your GCSE, and then that'll be it, and you'll be fine. Don't worry about it too much. And I, but I think the other thing is, look, you know, it's a real cliche, but it's really important. I think is regret the things you've done, not the things you don't do. And you know, one of the things I've tried to do since I left Hume, and, and at Hume as well, is say yes. Just say yes. You know, there's a real kind of there's a real danger that people go, no, I'm not. I can't do that. I'm not. I don't know if it will work. It might. I might fail. Doesn't matter. Say yes. You know, when an opportunity arrives, say yes. Throw yourself into it and see what happens. And regret the things that you that you do rather than the things that you don't do. You don't want to be sitting around 20 years later going, I wonder what would have happened if I'd done that. You need to know what would have happened if you'd done that. So get up and do it. Just on the maths, I don't, I don't know about you, Lisa, but certainly my maths teacher at Hume said, you know, you know, you you won't have a calculator in your pockets all of the time, you know. You need to... <laughs> OK. <laughs> Enter stage left. And now left. we've got yeah. phones, right? Yeah. <laughs> so teachers aren't always right, Matt. No, no that's true. Um, no, that's some really uh, good advice there, I think, for not just for our pupils, but for anyone. So uh, thank you so much for your time today, Lisa, and Claire as well, obviously. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's great to be on the receiving end. <laughs> that's it for this episode, and thank you for listening. To find out more, check out the school website, ohgs.co.uk. Now, our next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.